Today on episode 432 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Top Tools for Learning with Bonnie and Dave Stahofiak. That's us. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. I'm excited about today's episode because Dave is back. Welcome back, Dave. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for inviting me. And for people who have no idea who you are, perhaps you could give a brief introduction. I am your best friend. What (laughs) other introduction is needed? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. You're also a fellow learner, and today we are looking at the top tools for learning, and we're looking at it based on Jane Hart's annual thing that she does where she invites us to submit our top 10 tools for learning. She does voting every year, consolidates all of those into the top 300 tools for learning. And since you and I are both fellow learners, for people who may not know this, Dave and I met while we were each getting our master's degrees and interested in learning about the same things, and that continues to this day. And we're both fellow teachers as well, different venues, but I do a lot of teaching online and uh, leadership development and have taught adjunct over the years, although it's been a while. And I'm always learning from you, Bonnie. I listen to every episode of this podcast, and I'm often borrowing ideas and tools from so many of the guests to utilize in my own work and online facilitation and video conferencing and our learning process. So it's just been uh, it's been fun to learn from everyone here in this community. Dave has a podcast that is called Coaching for Leaders, and I wish that I could say that I had listened to every episode, but I can't say that I enjoy every episode that I have listened to. Hey, you've listened to most of them, I think. Yes, and yeah. I and I would also love to be able to say that back to today's topic, that every year since I started, I had submitted a top 10 list to Jane Hart's Top 300 Tools for Learning, but I missed a year, Dave. Can you guess which year I missed? I'm going to say 2020. Yeah, I wonder what happened in 2020 that threw some of us off, but I have been, besides 2020, submitting a list every year since 2015. And this year, I think I was so in the practice of doing it, and and I, I never go back to look at the old list until I've completed my list for this year. I left Zoom off of it completely, even though I use Zoom for all different types of learning. By the way, Jane Hart's now, she's expanded her categories in recent years. So it's workplace learning. It is personal learning. And it's also in an educational context. And I use Zoom across all three of those. In fact, our children right now are using Zoom (laughs) in a personal context. And probably you could also say somewhat of an informal educational context, talking to their friends while they play Minecraft. I think uh, it's okay that Zoom didn't show up in the list. I think everyone probably at this point has either decided they're using Zoom or not. It's pretty uh, pretty ubiquitous. All right. So besides Zoom, we're going to get to my top 10. These are not in any particular order, although I did think about the the order in terms of trying to group them together when I use them together or they're similar tools, but they're not in order of priority. We're going to start out with a podcast catcher. 
as in an application or an app that can be used to play and track and store podcasts, and it's called Overcast. And Overcast is absolutely a daily part of my life and learning. And back in March of 22, the developer of Overcast did a major design overhaul. And it was at that time that, Dave, I came to you and said, I'd really like to see how you organize your podcasts. And so I was able to take a lot of the practices that you use in organizing your podcast. And I am so happy with how I have things going. I used to just pretty much have a queue that was in chronological order from the most recent episodes that had come in across all of my different podcasts, all the way down to the, the oldest. As you could imagine, with how many podcasts that I listened to, that got really overwhelming. And sometimes I I would have to do one of those get real with yourself moments and say, this is just unsustainable. So now I have it organized in rainbow order. So the people from the television show Home Edit would be very proud of me <laughs> in emulating that. And it has what are my priority podcasts. And then it has a queue where I can just manually put things there. It's almost like having a shelf to put podcast episodes that I want to listen to. And then as you might expect, different topics like technology and leadership and culture and politics and all that stuff. And it really has... Oh, one more thing I wanted to share about is I also have podcasts that I only want to listen to in the order that they were recorded. Like I... Like if it's a set, a box set, if you will, where it's like I, these are ones that that you would really kind of want to go through and almost binge together. I have those types of podcasts there. I will confess that I don't get to those very often because it kind of feels like some of the more current ones feel more fresh to me. I don't know. But I'm, I really thank you for helping me see how you organized yours. And my podcasting life has never been better. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad I was able to help in some way. And uh, Bonnie and I have both been using Overcast for many years. And I think uh, if you've listened and used apps like the the very popular ones, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, what Overcast allows you to do is just to get so much more granular and detailed on how you listen to shows, how you organize them, removing pauses from the shows where you you don't even realize it. There's just so much you can do. So if you're a heavy podcast listener and are looking for more of a podcast uh, power app, I would say Overcast is a wonderful place to look. So Overcast and podcast catchers like it are used for audio content. What I use for the written word is an RSS reader called Unread. What Unread and other RSS readers do is it presents me, whenever I go into it, the headlines of unread stories across all different kinds of categories that I've set up. And if I want to read one of those headlines, it's a simple tap. I do most of my reading on a tablet, in my case, an iPad. So if I want to read one of those headlines, I can tap on it or if I can just scroll by. And I have it set up that when I scroll by those headlines, it's automatic automatically marking them as read. If I've scrolled by it, I'm not interested in reading it. I don't want to bookmark it anywhere. It's just going to go by. And what I love about it is I can control it entirely with one thumb. <laughs> I can scroll past those headlines and things are getting marked. I can swipe 
if I've come and read an article and I want to go back out into those unread stories, it's a simple swipe. I don't really know very many apps that you could literally control for the most part with one thumb. I mean, it's really pretty incredible. So it makes it very comfortable to sit and read and be able to take in a lot of information and prioritize what I want to go and read. It's a really, really well done app. And if I want to bookmark, then we'll get to another tool that we'll talk about in just a minute. But that is an easy process to do from Unread as well. And if anybody is interested, Unread is a reader. It also can work as an aggregator. So you could go and subscribe to different feeds from a lot of websites and create essentially your own custom news and reading service. But in my case, I use a different service for that called Inner Reader, which I heard about from Laura Gibbs many years ago and have continued to benefit from. So when it comes to RSS, you need an aggregator, you need a reader. And a lot of times those two things can be the same <laughs> the same tool. It kind of just depends on how granular you want to get with the features that you're looking for. Those of you who use um, apps to read RSS know there's lots of options out there. What Unread has going for it that I think I've never been able to find anywhere else is just the beauty and simplicity of the app and the typography. It is just a joyful experience to read, and you forget that you are using an app to read, and that, I think, is the best thing it has going for it. It's worth a look if you do a lot of RSS. Twitter has long been on my list of tools that help provide for all different kinds of learning. I use Twitter in personal learning as well as in an educational context and continuing to grow my own knowledge and skill. And so the other, I I don't know, a few weeks back, I was ill and I (laughs) was not a happy camper. And I put up on Twitter, can someone help me? I need a television show to make me laugh. And boy, did I ever generate a lot of great suggestions. So thanks to those of you who contributed to that list. But it also can be something quite more significant. I have a list that I have created to be able to curate some of the members of the disability community and be able to learn from their contributions on that social network. And almost every visit, I find some kind of tangible benefit from being there. And while I do want to note there do continue to be major problems both ethical, uh, societal, on these various social media platforms, including Twitter. But this is to celebrate really a big, big contributor to my learning does continue to be Twitter, despite some of those downsides. Our next tool is Raindrop. Raindrop is a digital bookmarking tool. And we have gone through a number of these over the years. Uh, There was an original one. It started with a D. Delicious. Delicious was one. Dig, I think, years ago. We used Pinboard for years. Uh, We've been using Raindrop for the last several years. And what Raindrop is, is it's a service that when you find something that you would like to be able to come back to, you can digitally capture that link within their system and then tag it, organize it in lots of different ways. So you can then utilize that as essentially your catalog of where you want to find resources, articles, videos on the internet. The nice thing about Raindrop is not only are there lots of ways to organize that, again, a beautifully, the the UI, the graphics are really beautiful on Raindrop, but you can also share with others and you can even make it available publicly. Both Bonnie and I have done that on our Raindrop accounts and shared it with the folks who listen to our podcast. 
And by the way, you don't have to do that either with your entire account or even part of it, but you can choose like there's certain parts that I've made public. There's other things that are private, like weeks, for example. Anytime I find a cute cat video on the internet, <laughs> which there's a lot of opportunities for there's every a day. Lot, a lot of opportunities. Both of our kids are filled with joy about watching animal videos on the internet right now. So I have a little uh, we have a tab called kids, which is private in our accounts. But I will just uh, if I'm on the website, I hit the little raindrop button on the browser and I can save it into wherever I want it to go. In that case, I'll save it to kids. And then when we're reading at night, sometimes I'll pull out my iPad and I'll say, hey, let's go through the kids queue and see what's in here. And then we have a fun time laughing at the cute cat and animal videos. But you can use it for just about anything. You can use it entirely yourself or you can make it available with others or anything in between. It's a really wonderful service and has allowed us to not only organize our uh, what we're finding online better, but also to be able to uh, be generous to share it with others. In case anyone thinks that I've been holding out on you and not sharing this publicly available raindrop category, Dave, I actually have not shared <laughs> my raindrop oh, yet publicly. Okay. I've kind of because I because I took a little bit for me to get used to what that's like, but boy, have I ever had fun with our kids' queue that we have that available for each other. I do have it set up to share with some coworkers things that relate to our institute for faculty development. So you've heard me share, just not with the with the community here. Another feature that I have not experimented with a lot that they added in somewhat recent months is the ability to highlight on one of the articles that you are going to bookmark on Draindrop, and then it saves those bookmarks. And it even integrates with a service that's shown up on past year's top lists for me that's called Readwise. But again, when it comes to me, if I'm going to be doing a lot of highlighting and a lot of annotating, I tend to prefer using Hypothesis, which is a social annotation tool. When it comes to all of these tools, Dave talked to you about all the plethora of possible ways you might might listen to a podcast or read RSS feeds. There are so many ways to do things. Often I will find I gravitate toward those tools that were designed from the ground up to do whatever the thing is. And so I just, since I know Hypothesis better, that's where I tend to do more of my highlighting and my annotation. But I am, you know, it is kind of nice when you can consolidate tools. And I, and I think I probably should play a little bit more with this feature of Raindrop. I'll give you the link that I have publicly so folks want to just go and look what it looks like if you do share it publicly. You're certainly welcome to to do that with my account. So we'll put that in the episode notes as well. Another tool that I have used for years and has shown up on my top tools for learning list quite frequently is a polling tool called Poll Everywhere. And when I think back to early in my career, I started out as a computer instructor and then I, about a year after doing that, I wound up being responsible for managing the other computer instructors. So I would hire them, I would train them, and out they would go. And when I would be sitting in their classes, something that a less experienced instructor would do is they would stand at the front of a class. Picture, Dave, 24 people sitting in an eight-hour <laughs> Microsoft Excel class. Yes, this was a different time. Let's just say that. So the instructor would be at the very front looking at a sea of the backs of people's monitors. So they can't really see people's faces too well, but they especially can't see what's on their screen. I'm sitting in the back row 
and I can see every single monitor that's in that room and whether or not they're actually keeping up with the instructor as they're progressing through a lesson. So they would say, hey, are you all with me? And you'd get the heads nodding. And so they'd plod right along. And I'd think, well, that person's not with you. That person isn't with you either. And so when I think about polling tools, and they certainly have evolved so much, they really give you an opportunity to both get the pulse of what's happening, what are people experiencing, so you can ask for people's perceptions of what they're experiencing, but they also allow you to do things like retrieval practice, where there actually is a right or a wrong answer to something, and you're helping people build those neural networks in their brain and and strengthen those. And so Poll Everywhere is just great. It's wonderful. It's got lots of different question types, everything from you'd expect it to have multiple choice, but it also has word clouds and open-ended questions. You can upload images and have people tap or click on where they identify something or or what they're perceiving on maybe a grid of a two-by-two quadrant or something like that. And so I absolutely love using Poll Everywhere. I use it mostly for formative assessment, meaning there's no bad downside to you getting things wrong. People can be anonymous, but it's just helping them really be able to assess their own learning. And it's also helping me be able to see that. Are people actually getting it? Instead of sitting in the back of a room and just, you know, or I should should say, instead of standing in front of a room and saying, did you all get that? I can actually see that. And we used it. We recently did our new faculty experience. And so we used it a lot in that program. And rather than me telling these new faculty how good a polling tool can be for them to get to experience it is so powerful. I wanted to share one other thing that I used Poll Everywhere for that was so powerful. Comes out of James Lang's work, particularly his small teaching, how powerful prediction can be. So I showed a video from Karen Caldwell a TED Talk of her talking about the differences. It was a Harvard study that she's talking about between our feelings about learning and our tests of learning. And I asked these brand new faculty to predict what do you think happened when they changed this particular dynamic in the study. And so I pressed pause on Karen's video, asked them to predict, you know, switched over to Poll Everywhere and then switched back. And it can be such a powerful tool rather than having people just passively listen to something to actually get their brains engaged. And it was so great, Dave, because 100% of them got the answer wrong. And it happened fairly early in the new faculty experience, and I think it was really healthy in the sense of that everyone got it wrong, and we kind of we learned about what is that going to be like together when we fail, and how important failure is in learning. And I, I wasn't trying to trick them either. Oh, actually, I, I think I asked you the same question, and you also got it wrong. It's just not. It's not. It doesn't make common sense to us. So if you don't know about that Harvard study, again, I wasn't trying to play tricks on them, but really nice in a learning community to be able to take the pulse like that, build that community, and to integrate it in with other kinds of media. You can tell I really like Poll Everywhere. I could probably do like five episodes just on it. But we have another one to do. Is there anything you wanted to add about polling or poll everywhere? No, just that I've seen you use it. I've never used it myself over the years, but I have seen you use it. And it is really, uh, it's really cool to be able to get that kind of real-time feedback, like you said, to be able to assess exactly and prediction. How fun. 
Yeah, Padlet is the next tool I'd like to share about. And Padlet is a virtual corkboard at its most core essence. And you can build a virtual corkboard that people can participate in as you are gathering the ideas. So let me pull up a Padlet on such and such a question, and I'd like everybody to take out your phones or go on your browsers on your computers and go add to this right now in real time while we are having a conversation about something, or have people add things over time, more asynchronously. And what I love about it, Dave, we can also do both. So if you're there for that synchronous conversation, great. Let's all go and add to it together. Or if you you end up doing it a week from when we were working on it, you can see everybody else's past contributions and make ones of your own. And so for this particular new faculty experience that I was just mentioning, I loved using Padlet in combination with an analog tool. So I found out that our mail and copy center can print posters. I had no idea. And they do it for less expensive than if you were to go to one of the big printing places, you know, more of a of a shop that would do it for you outside your university. And so I would create these posters for types of questions. So there was a parking lot where a facilitator might say, we don't have time for this question right now, but let's get it on the parking lot. We'll have time to address it later. Or what I called burning questions. Like these are things that don't have easy, quick fix answers that we really should be wrestling with over time. So we gathered those. And then there was a third one that was a poster I notice, I wonder. And I found one of those, a beautiful photograph of the, and now I'm forgetting the name of it, Dave, this is embarrassing. So uh, the in the, the beautiful lights that show up in the sky that like blues and turquoise and... Sunset? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Northern Lights, is that... The Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. That's it. That's ah. it. So I found a beautiful picture of that because it did remind I didn't know me where you're going with that. <laughs> Noticing and <Sunset>. wondering. <laughs> so every person in the room had a set of stickies in front of them. They could write something that they were noticing or something that they were wondering on a sticky and then put it physically on that poster that was in the room. Or they could use the QR code that was also printed on that same poster and go and contribute that digitally. So I love the blend of the digital with the analog. And it was so fun to get everybody engaged. And the Padlet allows you to have a custom background. So I made sure that for each one of these cork boards, they had the same background. So if you're standing in the room, you see the Northern Lights. And if you went digitally to it, it had that same image there. It just turned out so, so well. I cannot recommend Padlet enough. And I love that we can go and keep revisiting that because some of those burning questions, I suspect they're still going to be asking those questions even after 10 or 20 years of teaching. The next tool is Loom, a tool that I don't know how as an educator or actually doing anything in any online context, which of course we're doing now, Bonnie, where we're collaborating with others, uh, how I could get away without using this app anymore. It is a app that does three things I think really well. It records a video of just you. So if you would want to send someone a video message versus just sending a text or an email, It is a wonderful tool for that. It also is wonderful at screencasting. You could install the app on your computer 
and it will capture your screen and your voice as you are doing something to demonstrate something or walk some someone through something. And then it can do both. It can do recording a screencast and recording your video at the same time and superimposes the image. It's a really wonderful service that does those those three things super well. And the beauty of it is when you are finished recording and you hit stop, uh, as long as you have a decent internet connection, within a few seconds, you get a link and then you can paste that link wherever it's going. If it's going to be texted or posted online or sent in an email, it makes it so easy to be able to uh, have video messages be able to be communicated to others. I pay for it since I'm not affiliated with an educational institution, but the the wonderful thing with Loom, at least at the time we're recording this, is educators who are affiliated with educational institutions still get it for free, right, Bonnie? You have a free account. And uh, if you've not tried Loom and you're affiliated with an educational institution, you should at least set up an account, get verified, and just test it out, play with it. It's also on all the mobile phone apps. It's such a powerful tool, and I use it multiple times a day. I cannot emphasize enough how powerful it is when tools that we use, as soon as we stop recording or stop taking the screenshot or whatever it is we're doing, as soon as we press stop, they're in by some sort of magic in your clipboard waiting to be pasted wherever you want that link to be pasted. You don't have to wait for your video to upload. You don't have to wait for it to be done. It's really ready for instantaneous sharing. Could be in a learning management. You could give feedback on grading this way. You could put it in an email rather than trying to type out the steps for how to do something. Here's a quick video for how to do that as well. So Loom is really powerful. There are a lot of different screen casting applications out there. But for me, Dave, the feature that you talked about with that being ready to go in the clipboard is I won't use another one if it doesn't have that available to me. And there are there's a whole body of research around what is called authentic assessment. How do we get as close to the context that someone might be using the concepts, the tools, the skills that we're trying to teach them as we possibly can? So the classic example would be, does your physician take a multiple choice question in order to treat you as a patient. So it's not that we can't ever use multiple choice questions, by the way, on our way to learning, but really the more authentic the assessment, the closer we're getting to really providing real value. And so for me, I have students use Loom all of the time. I'm teaching, once again, for like the fifth or sixth time, maybe even more than that, a class called Personal Leadership and Productivity. And part of what they do is build out different systems or learn to use their calendar and and learn how to set up a number of different systems. So rather than have them write a paper about that, just show me. I call it the adult version of show and tell. Like, go and show me what your system looks like right now. And it really does become a conversation but a conversation that happens more asynchronously and it feels very intimate and very, very authentic as we're having these conversations. And I've even had full on conversations with coworkers on Loom just because we're not able to schedule a conference call or a Zoom. It doesn't make sense to do that. But just to be able to go, here's what I'm talking about right over here. I mean, it's just so powerful to do that. I've heard you use talking about using Loom in the classroom context when you 
utilize it there are students can they reply to your loom videos with their own video without setting up an account or are they are you having them go and set up their own like educational oh, version yeah. accounts they set up their own education accounts yeah oh interesting and a lot yeah. of their assignments in that class are submit your loom video link I'd say 30 to 40% of the assignments are actually Loom video links. And I do allow them to use something else as long as it has those three things that you said, Dave. And guess what percentage of them actually find another tool and use another tool that has those things? Uh, the the answer is zero. They, uh, they go with Loom. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great service. All right. Next up on our list is Canva. Canva is at its core a graphic design program. The more that I get to know Canva, the more I realize is actually there. So I did start out using Canva for making signs that I would hang up around my class to do these sticky note exercises. I mean, I've been writing about and talking about my use of Canva for a long time. But Dave, most recently, I started using Canva for the slide decks for the different presentations that I give. And what's great about the, say, using it on Loom versus using it on PowerPoint or something like that is that it is a web-based application. So it was designed from the ground up to easily be able to do things like embed a tweet or embed a video from YouTube or one from Vimeo or even one from Canvas Studio, which is the video tool inside of the Canvas Learning Management System, if your university pays for that additional tool at, at your institution. And so I absolutely love experimenting with now building slide decks there. You can even use some of their video content. So I gave a talk recently for the DTNL conference, and my title slide had clouds that were just subtly moving in the background. And I did a quote from Mary Oliver about geese, about wild geese. And I had the words to the quote up in front, but behind it was the most gorgeous clip of geese sort of flying and then coming. I mean, it was just so cool. So you don't want to have video that's distracting because then you're getting into issues with cognitive load. But if it's complementary and it's enhancing whatever it is you want to share, I've just found it to be delightful. I wanted to share one other example, Dave. So I had um, Doug Lederman, who's the co-founder and, and senior editor or grand poobah editor. I'm sorry, I'm probably getting his title wrong, but, but of Inside Higher Ed. He wished me a happy eighth birthday to teaching in higher ed back in June when I had that. And so I had his tweet embedded, but behind it was someone blowing out um, candles on a birthday cake. I mean, you could, the, the, the possibilities are limitless here. So using Canva has been so fun for me to just get creative. And I would highly encourage you take a look, if at all possible, at the pro version of Canva. The free version gets you pretty far. But what the pro version does for me is helps simplify things around having consistent branding for things. And consistency can just be helpful in terms of we've got all of our university's color palette there, any logos that we might use. And we use it as a team. Up to five people in my department can have access to it. So we all make sure we've got the right logo. We all make sure we have the right fonts because we have specific fonts that our university uses. And you can create 
create different brand kits too. We actually pay for it for teaching in higher ed. That's separate, of course, because that's a personal investment that we make. But then we also pay for, uh, my work pays for it for the departments that I lead to. I cannot say enough good things about Canva. The final two tools on the list are quick, WordPress and Blueberry. So WordPress is just this incredible uh, framework, open source framework that has been, uh, has really taken over the web. Over 40% of websites are hosted on, or not hosted on WordPress, but built with WordPress. And if you're looking for a a framework that is open source and really ubiquitous as far as tools and resources and services. I think WordPress is worth a look. There are, of course, many other website builders out there. I know a lot of people have heard of Squarespace, and I think it's a it's a wonderful option as well. If you are building something that you are going to do more with in the future, if you're building something for a business or a team, I think WordPress is a great place to start because you, it can grow with you. And both of our sites have been on WordPress since since they existed. So we recommend that. And then Blueberry is what we use for our podcast hosting. So if you are, if you have a podcast or you're considering hosting a podcast somewhere, uh, Blueberry, which is spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, is what we use for all of our podcast hosting. There's many options out there as well. The reason we use Blueberry is because it integrates so beautifully with WordPress. That's really been their differentiator from the beginning. And uh, we really love their their plugin and their resources and makes it easy for us to produce shows and to air them to you. Now it is your turn. Sadly, the voting has ending for this year, but it's your turn to go over to check out Jane Hart's Top 300 Tools for Learning. And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, you can go explore tools for learning about your personal learning. You can look at workplace learning, or you can check out what those tools look like in an educational context as well. So I highly suggest that you head on over to check out the link that'll be in the show notes for Jane Hart's Top 300 Tools. This is the time in the show where we each get to share our recommendations, and Dave has something he would like to recommend. I may have recommended it on the show before, Bonnie, but it's it's worth repeating, even if I have, the app Drafts. Uh, Drafts is an app that is native to iOS and the Apple and Mac ecosystem. But if you're in that ecosystem, I think it's worth a look. There is a free version of it. The beauty with an app like Drafts is it's wonderful at Capture. Capture, of course, so important for so many of our personal learning management systems and getting ideas. And the beauty of Drafts is that you open it up and it just has a cursor and you can capture whatever you're thinking about or whatever someone's sharing with you or a link or whatever. I am always capturing ideas there and it just creates a beautiful list of Drafts. And then you can, if you want, go in either manually and process them, or you can automate uh, where things go. You can send them into uh, uh, all kinds of systems and services. You can create emails. You can create texts. It's just a wonderful, beautiful, simple app that can be very powerful if you decide to do more with it. So if you're looking for something to capture ideas with, Drafts is a good option to check out. Blueberry, the podcasting service that Dave mentioned previously, tells me that somewhere in the realm of 70 to 75% of you listening 
are listening using an iOS device, meaning an iPhone. And to that end, even if you don't, you're not entirely bought into the Mac (laughs) universe, I would say Drafts stands alone on an iPhone really, really well. So if you're that 70 to 75% of you listening, I highly recommend you check it out. And I'd like to share a feature on Drafts that I want to recommend today, and it has to do with checklists. You know I've done entire episodes in the past on checklists. I'm a huge fan. So even if you're among the 30% of you that are not on iOS, find yourself an app that'll do good checklists for you. In Draft's case, it uses what's called Markdown, which is just a way of writing that both contains characters and words, but also formatting. And so you put a little dash, you put an open square bracket, a space and a closed square bracket, and you're on your way to having a checklist. And so you can type it each time you add to your checklist and you hit enter in drafts, it'll give you a new checklist item. And once they are created, Dave has taught me how to create what they call a workspace. So I now have a collection across all of my different drafts of just checklists. And we've talked about in prior episodes about Dave has created departure checklists for make sure that the kids have the sweater that they need, that they're supposed to wear on certain days at school, make sure that they have masks, make sure you know they've got all the stuff. And so we've got a lot of checklists going and I love that I can have them all organized in one spot, easy to access. So I've expanded my use of drafts. I used to only use it for capture. And now Dave is kind of expanding my imagination around also using it for checklists. And he helped me make a little workspace with a picture of a school bus. And so now I've got all the departure checklists for the kids in one spot. I'm having fun with drafts. I love it when you can get to know an app and it can cover you for years with just the basics and it continues giving it, giving you its goodness. But then when an app can be both so simple, but also you can really, really dial it up up to some pretty spectacular things that you can do with it. That's romance here on the weekends oh, here at yeah. our house. Uh, oh, comparing yeah. uh, strategies for organizing the drafts app. Whew, boy, there you go. Excitement, excitement. You had no idea the Stahoviak household was so filled with romance. There you go. Speaking of romance, I would like to both romantically and practically tell you, thank you for taking time out on a Saturday morning to make this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed possible. Dave, thank you for being a guest once again. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It was so fun to talk about these tools. Today's episode was produced by me. Bonnie Stahoviak, and it was edited by the ever-talented Andrew Kroger. Podcast production support was provided by Sierra Smith. And if you have yet to subscribe to the Teaching in Higher Ed weekly update, I would go so far as to say you are missing out. I'm going to go bold with that. Head on over to teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe so you can make sure and get those updates every week, which really extends the value of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.